You may have heard the business advice, scratch your own itch, as in solve a problem that you are having and then market the solution to other people. This is the route that Rowena Mabbitt took, but then realized a few years into starting her business that she had taken the hard way. Rowena is my guest on the Playful Mompreneur podcast today, and she's going to tell us why she pivoted the focus of her business from grief coaching to career and life confidence coaching, and really how all her training and life experience had been leading up to this point. Rowena also tells us about how becoming more playful and experimental in her business has now helped her to realize some great successes, the simple way this time. (laughs) like booking out her accountability group, which involved minimal marketing and launching efforts. Now, Rowena and I have become firm biz besties, despite the fact that she lives in Sydney, Australia, and I in Joburg in South Africa. I first worked with her on the launch of one of her programs back in 2018, and then last year I was part of her Clarity and Confidence Collective, a program that played a major role in getting me through the year that was 2020. And so for this year, when she mentioned the idea of the quarterly accountability group to me, I put my hand straight up. So as I've mentioned, Rowena is a career, business and life confidence coach. She's also a writer and mother to three boys, two living and one angel. The loss of her second son inspired her to follow her heart and leave her corporate HR role to become a coach, working with women and men who are looking for more from their career, business, and life. Rowena has a background in positive psychology, and she uses a values-based, strengths-focused coaching model to support her clients to live with intention. And having worked with Rowena, I can say that this coaching model is excellent. Focusing on my strengths has been so empowering and getting more in tune with my values and how I want to really feel has helped me to be more intentional and to live the life that I want. So I can't wait for you to meet this inspirational mompreneur and an absolute gem of a human being, Rowena Mabbitt. Do you want to find joy in being both a parent and a business owner? Then come and play with us here at the Playful Mompreneur Podcast. I'm your host, Shelley Tonkin-Smith, and I'm on a mission to help moms to start and grow their own businesses in a way that's as simple and as fun as child's play. Join me as I talk about things like playful productivity, tools and tech, and building a special kind of business. A business that supports your desire to be a fully present parent and to have the time and space to truly connect with your kids. You'll also hear from other mompreneurs and some dadpreneurs who are rocking this double gig of parenting and business ownership, with some of them even throwing homeschooling into the mix. Get the inside track on both their struggles and what's working for them, and then Use that as inspiration for building your playful business. You ready? Let's play. So hi, Rowena, and welcome. Hi, Shelley. Lovely to be here. Can you just tell us a little bit more about what you do in your business and really fill us in on on what a life confidence and career coach does? (laughs) 
Sure. That's a great question, Shelley. As a career and life confidence coach, I really support my clients to feel confident um, by tapping into what makes them uniquely them, whether that be the things that bring them great joy or just to reconnect with the things that give them that real sense of who they are. So primarily I do this through one-on-one tailored coaching work, which means that clients get to have greater clarity. So clarity is often the key to bringing them the confidence. So they'll make some changes in their life or in their career and so far after they've got that clarity, they then boost their confidence. They kind of go together. That's so unique for each individual. Every single person is treated as their own self and whatever challenges or questions or goals that they want to work on, my coaching is tailored specifically for them. I do work from home, mostly during school hours, Australian time, with evening appointments as my business has been designed to slot in and support my life, not the other way around. And so the one-on-one coaching is undertaken via Zoom, which suits my clients as well, since they do come from all around the world. So obviously I have quite a good number of clients in Australia, my home country, but I also have clients throughout Asia, Europe and South Africa and some of the islands off South Africa. So I've had a client in Mauritius, for example. Wonderful. You've got a truly a global empire there. So you've got these one-on-one clients and I know you also run some group programs as well in your business, but I, I just love that your business fits around your life and not the other way around. So tell us what is happening in the rest of your life and tell us about your family and your other commitments outside of work. Okay, sure. I live with my husband and my two living boys and our schnoodle puppy and we live in the inner west in Sydney in Australia. So my two boys, my eldest is 14 and my youngest is almost 11. Both boys go to school nearby, so one's in year nine at high school and the other is in year five at the local primary school, and we can walk to the primary school. So that's a really nice lifestyle choice that we can walk up there every day, and I, my business hours would have been, I've chosen them, that I can walk him to school every day and I can walk up and pick him up at the end of school every day. So the only one who's not at school or busy working is the dog. So <laughs> the dog is between schools at the moment. He's been to puppy preschool, and we're almost ready to take him to puppy high school. So currently I'm homeschooling the dog, which is quite tricky because he is almost six months old and he's in that stage of where, like children, they know best. So the dog's in the I know best stage, which is quite frustrating in a dog. So that's, um, that's keeping me occupied when I'm not working with clients or keeping the household running or being mum or being the wife or being a dutiful daughter or attending choir or working in the various volunteer roles that I do as well. Oh my goodness, you just like listed a whole lot of things there. <laughs> and I, listen, I know that dog is very lucky to have his doggy mommy, but you've also got all these other, you, I know you volunteer with the school, you've got hobbies like the choir, and I know you've got such a full life. Like, and isn't that, isn't that wonderful? Like that your business can enable you to, to have this expansiveness. That's what I'm seeing, like this huge expansiveness that you can be quite a lot but yet not feel rushed. Am I reflecting correctly there? Like does life sometimes feel rushed or or do you feel like it's all in order or all really calm? Yeah, it's most of the time it's all in order. I'm not sure calm. The boys are, as you heard, 14 and 11 and almost 11. And the 11-year-old is definitely heading into the teenage years in terms of attitude. And so the 14-year-old's already well and truly there. 
So I don't think calm necessarily describes our dynamic of a uh-huh. morning when we're trying to get out of the house on time. Mm-hmm. But I think in terms of the flow of life and choosing, I have been quite, um, and I use the word intentional, I've been quite specific, deliberate or intentional, whichever word kind of works best for you in the audience, in choosing what I'm going to spend my time and energy on. Mm. And that's really been the journey I've been on probably very overtly for the last at least 12 to 15 months. And when I've thought about it, I actually have been on that journey probably since 2015 when I first decided to retrain as a coach. Mm-hmm. So there, there is definitely a sense of saying, okay, what things am I going to actively be involved with and which things are important to me and what are aligned with my values and therefore I want to spend time doing those things and I want to cut out the things that are not aligned with my values or that just are busy work for the sake of busy work. Mm-hmm. And let me get really clear, it's still a process and it's definitely still a learning curve um, and I'm definitely not perfect. There are still days when I get really stressed or I find myself having done a bunch of stuff that I really had no intention of doing, I'm just still human. But knowing that there's a plan to kind of be intentional and to choose actively, that really helps with that sense of having a flow in both my business and my life. Oh, I love that. So now you mentioned your, your move and transition into coaching and retraining as a coach. Can you take us back on your business journey and tell us how you became a coach? Well, way back, way back (laughs) when I was 16, I thought I wanted to be a psychologist. Um, But what I really liked was the positive psychology. And so I studied that at university. I studied psychology and business law. After the first bit of university, I realized that being a psychologist was probably not really ideal for my personality. I also had some wisdom from my father suggesting that it would be probably good for me to look into a corporate role. And that worked really well for me. But always the work that I did was the bits that I loved the most, I guess, was the coaching type of work where I would be coaching other. I was working in human resources. So it was where I was coaching managers or leading facilitated workshops with people. It was always very much coaching and about bringing out the best in people. I mean, that's the stuff I really loved. And so after the kids, I'd had my time of spending time with the family and being at home with the children. And one of my previous colleagues had been contacting me, suggesting I come and work in his consulting business. And I loved it. It was such good work. We did really valuable stuff. And it was perfect because it meant that I could just, I started back just doing five hours a week, which was perfect for a mum with still an 18 month old at home. And plus my older one was only in preschool a couple of days a week. So it worked really well for um, a while and I slowly increased that to about 15 hours a week. But over time, I realised probably in 2015, in my late 30s, I realised the work wasn't quite as satisfying as it had been because frequently the company that we'd be working with, I would make clear recommendations to fix inappropriate or perhaps even illegal activities which I would feel like, well, this is a no-brainer. These need to be fixed. Mm -hmm. But the people who'd engaged us as an organisation to do the work would effectively just kind of do the nod and smile, you know, smile, thank you very much, but they're not actually fixed any of the problems. And it started to really bother me. And for a number of months I got quite stressed. So whilst I knew I was not responsible for others' actions or in particular maybe in this instance lack of action, 
I was just in such deep conflict with my values. I wasn't sleeping properly and I was just finding it was a really uncomfortable place to be. So finally it came to a head and I spoke with the consulting company owner and MD who was also my friend and I kind of effectively resigned from that project. I did a little bit of soul searching but not for very long. (laughs) So within a week or so after some late night researching, late nights researching, I basically decided to follow my dream of, you know, 10 years earlier I decided I definitely wanted to be a coach at some point. But at that point someone had said to me, I think it was you know, well-intentioned advice. They said, you can't be a life coach till you've had a bit more life. But then by this stage, I was like, no, screw that. I'm going to be, this is my dream and I'm going to do this. So I decided to retrain as a coach and enrolled in my coaching qualification. So this, that was the kind of, that felt like a huge shift Mm. because I went from a very corporate, very business focused, very consultancy, always working for someone else. And I knew that when I switched to being a coach, one, it would be something I was passionate about, which would be great, but I would also be running my own business. So there was a huge leap, like I had to set up websites. I'd never, I hadn't had any social media, so I had to learn. My learning curve was enormous. Mm. But it was, you know, when you reach out to people and say, look, I'm doing this, suddenly a lot of people are very happy to provide you with snippets of guidance here and there, which was great. Yeah. So I just want to point out to people who are listening, just to reflect on your journey, like some moms are going to be in that position where they're wanting to return to the workplace, but feeling like going back to a full-time job is just not going to work. And Mm. I just want to emphasize that trajectory that you took of going back on your terms that five hours a week and working for someone else. So you weren't in your own business, but that worked for you at that time of your life. I want to encourage people with that to go, you know, it might take four years for you to actually start your own business and maybe there's some baby steps mm-hmm. in between and also maybe it doesn't require you going back full-time there's so yeah. many options in between and and I would absolutely endorse that and I would also say that given where we're at right now with the pandemic and with a lot of work shifting to being done from home even if the roles aren't officially remote work roles mm-hmm. globally lots and lots of organizations are now recognizing that they have been missing out on fantastic people by saying you have to do this work full-time in the office yes. so as mums luckily for me in this consulting company I worked remotely for those five hours uh-huh. so three of them was actually with on, on site with the client and the other two were done from home and then over time even when I was getting up to 15 hours a week they were all done within school hours or primarily done within school hours when my kids were in childcare or at school and they were done remotely but for me working for someone else was terrific because it helped boost my confidence again after having been out of the workforce for a period of time raising my children and being on maternity leave and with my firstborn and then getting pregnant with our second son and then losing him and then getting pregnant again with our third son. So there was quite a long period of time when I was not in the headspace to be working in a corporate job or doing any kind of real paid work. Mm. I just needed to be mum. That was my big job and just get myself well. So the confidence that comes from working for someone else also can then be the impetus to then say, okay, I can do this. I can start my own business. And anyone who's listening who's thought about that, I would say that's not a that's not a bad thing. It worked beautifully for me. I would not have been able to jump straight into starting my own business. If you can, fabulous, go for it. But there's no pressure to do that if you know that working for someone else is going to be the way you get to your end goal. 
That is super interesting. And it's almost something I hadn't thought about. But even when I started my own business, I continued doing a little bit of consulting for my my previous employer. And, and that helped me transition into then building my own business. So yeah, so many roads to this own business thing. And, and it can take some time before you're the CEO, let's call it that. <laughs> okay. So then you started your coaching business. So tell us about the journey from becoming CEO now of your own business. Sure. So when I started my coaching business, I thought I wanted to coach as a grief coach. So ignoring the fact that I had nearly 20 years of career experience behind me and working in corporate and basically doing career coaching, I foolishly, and I say that now with deep love to my past self, I foolishly thought that what I really needed was what I'd been needing after the loss of my second son, which was someone who could coach me through my grief. Now, I had counselling, but I also know that coaching is quite different from counselling. And I, I knew at the time when we lost our second son, I wanted someone who would be able to give me that forward motion that coaching provides, whereas counselling is brilliant and I needed the counselling work. But I also recognised that after a period of time, there was only so much counselling could do. And I would have loved to have had a grief coach. So that's what I set my business up as, as a grief coach. And so I was blogging every week. I was throwing myself into all the rules about how do you set up a business, how do you build a name, you share a lot of content, you know, and I was putting myself out there in all sorts of different forms. But I was sharing a lot about grief, about parenting after loss and about transitions. Like I blogged every week for a year. And so there was a lot of content I was putting out on a regular basis. But I kind of hadn't really twigged to the fact that the clients who were coming to work with me None of them were about grief. They were all about career coaching. So it took me, I am ashamed to say, quite a lot longer than it should have done to acknowledge that fact that the clients that were coming to me had nothing to do with the content that I was putting out. The messaging on my website was completely not aligned. So it was like I had really two different personas. I had this persona that people knew and were coming to me for coaching on which was my expertise. And then there was this kind of other stuff that I had been thinking that I needed to provide in the world. And when I finally worked that out and made the switch, I changed my, I had to change my branding. I had to change my website. I, instead of having a particular domain name, I had to, like, it was quite a big deal. But it was funny because my husband, love him dearly, we've been together for a long time. He goes, well, I told you that at the beginning. Like he was just like, yeah, well, you just didn't listen to me. So like you've had to do it the hard way. But I don't regret doing it the hard way, as he would say. Mm -hmm. But I do wonder if I'd been a little more receptive to that message, how it might have played out. But it was an excellent experience and it meant that I had to do it my way. And so now I've shifted. But once I made that shift, everything was so much easier because it's aligned with my expertise and the positive psychology and my background. And so it's much more joyful work. Mm-hmm. So now you've mentioned some of your expertise and I know you do really great work around strengths coaching and helping people identify their strengths. And I like to refer to this as your zone of genius. So tell us about your zone of genius, Rowena. What, what would you say is your zone of genius? It's such a good question. The zone of genius thing is so tricky though, isn't it? Because it, I think it changes a little bit for me. 
depending on what my my current thinking is. But I was reflecting on this actually when I listened to some of your earlier episodes and I was really enjoying listening to the way your previous guests have described their zone of genius. So I realised that back in my corporate day, my zone of genius was getting to the heart of the matter quickly and simplifying it down, simplifying whatever steps down into essentials. So kind of saying, well, here's the process, but here are like the three core things we actually have to do in order to kind of get the outcome you want. And so my corporate clients would call me up precisely because they knew I'd find the most efficient and effective way for them to get the outcome they needed. And so from there in my coaching, I love coaching and it lights me up. And whenever I do any coaching, if I, especially evening calls, it takes me ages to kind of wind down to go to sleep because I'm buzzing because mm. it's such fun. Yeah. I mean, it's playful, it's fun, you know, it's like and it completely energizes me. So I think that's partly zone of genius, right? It's that sense of elation and that's, you know, there's that great question of if you could do anything and even if you didn't get paid, would you still do it? And I'm like, yeah, I'd still coach because I did 20 years of coaching without getting paid specifically for coaching. Mm-hmm. I love it because it's so great. But following from what I was saying before, I then help my clients do that. So it's really getting to the heart of the matter and then simplifying it down into, okay, what's the next step? And so with clients, I also find when we're doing ideas generation, so as part of the strengths, Shelley, as you mentioned, certain clients with certain strengths, ideas generation can be challenging for them. So they don't necessarily know, well, I don't know what to do next. And so we'll start brainstorming together. And when we get into that space, that is also where I have a bit of occasional zone of genius. It's not always, but quite often it's where I get super pumped and really energized from that as well. Because as part of your strengths work, you often need to look at all the different ways that you can then embrace those strengths in new ways, because usually you've been using your strengths in a standard set of ways. And when you then realize, hey, I can still use this same strength, but in a new way, that's still utilizing something that's core to your being, but it's kind of reinvigorating. Yes. Um, which most clients, most of us love like that. We're not saying you're broken. We're saying you're already awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, let's just make you more awesome. Let's help you feel the awesome that everyone else sees. So now I'd love to know for all the other playful mompreneurs out there, how do you make it work? So I'd love you to take us through your typical week because I also I love working in a week rather than in a day. So I ask all my guests about their typical week and I'd love to get the inside track on yours, Rowena. Tell us. So I'd love to say that I worked 15 hours a week, which is kind of my notional ideal. So three school days because I figure that by the time I've walked the dog and taken the kid to school and you know, by the time I get home again, I get about five productive hours across three school days. But honestly, it's way more variable than that. So I have four days designated as work days, but they are pretty flexible. So some weeks I'll use all the time that I have and then some more, like I'll be doing some evenings or I'll be squeezing in bits and pieces. And then other weeks are just way more relaxed. And so it varies based on client loads so how many clients I've got. I do try to have like a client facing week where I'll do all my client work in one week so that I just do a series of calls and then the following week it'll be more time to do content or other work in building my business but it can also vary based on the time of month because I might have a blog post or a newsletter to write and send out and those sorts of things but as I mentioned right at the beginning my work is designed to support my life and so my week varies according to the commitments I have with my kids for example 
So like school sports carnivals or if I've got errands or appointments. So I've designed my business specifically with this flexibility in mind, which pays well really when we had things like stay at home and remote schooling suddenly we go into lockdown and suddenly I have had both kids and a husband all suddenly working from home in my space. And it was very fortunate that because of the nature of my business, I was able to move a few things around and then still be the primary support person for my youngest child and actually make sure he did his work. Uh I also allocate my time during school hours. So I work Monday to Wednesday and Friday. So Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, have Thursday off, and then I work on Friday. But I do aim where possible. So if we're thinking about that week container that you talked about, I aim to have both Monday and Friday as non-client facing days wherever possible. So then I use those days for writing or admin or professional development. And this year, what I've been trying to do is every second Friday is actually give myself most of the day off and do only minimal work for my business and actually go and do something that really restores my energy. So for example, tomorrow I'm going to go and meet a friend for a walk in a new part of Sydney that I've not been to before by the water. So that'll be fantastic because it's like double whammy. Catch up with a fabulous friend and I get a bit of exercise in and I'm out in nature as well. And that will actually restore me so I can then be playful and happy and, you know, all the good things in both my business and with my family for the weekend. Yeah, it's so important. There's this temptation to feel so pressurized when we've got that that childcare time. And I really think we need to be letting that go because I think it is in those more playful moments, those moments that it feels like you're giving yourself the day off, but uh, there's there's ulterior motives there in terms of productivity, isn't it? Because I think so much can come out of those times, those aha moments, just reconnecting with a friend, energizing yourself so that you hit the office on Monday feeling restored. And I think this is particularly for the entrepreneurs who are their own boss like be a kind boss. (laughs) Uh, The Mm. other thing I wanted to mention when you were talking about your, your schedule and your ideal week, Rowena, is you, you was your ideal week. And then you also design your season. And I know that you've got a resource for that. And it's, I love that it's a natural season rather than a business quarter, but it's also three months, but it follows the seasons. So tell us a little bit about the design your season workshop that you've got the self-guided workshop and, and how that works and how people can maybe get hold of that. Sure. Thank you for bringing that up because, yeah, I absolutely love it. So, again, interestingly, the design your season idea came from Gretchen Rubin. So one of her podcasts, I think in maybe the first or second year of her Happier Happier podcast, she talked about designing your summer. And actually that was a trigger for me to then write a whole blog post um, about designing your season because I was like, it doesn't need to be summer because it was summer for her, of course, and it was therefore winter for us in Australia. And I thought, well, that's a great idea. I quite like that idea. And then I kind of toyed with it and played with it. And over time, I turned it into um, a workshop, which is the idea that for a season, so as you said, a natural season, it just kind of works for the year. Mm -hmm. But then you can look at a three-month period. So like when I was in corporate and we'd have 30, 60, 90-day plans, this is your 90-day plan, but it's naturally broken into 30, 60, and 90 because of the months. Um, you can look at how you want to feel for that time. So it's not just about the actions and the goals you want to set. It's about how do you want to feel. And the feeling part's really important because that's the bit that gets about gets to the heart of the intentionality. So, for example, you might say, I want to feel calm. Okay, so how am I going to feel calm? What can I do 
each, what do I need to do each month in order to get to the end of this season? So, for example, we're, we're recording this in March. That means for me we're in autumn. So this season is March, April, May. So if I get to the end of May and I want to feel calm, what do I need to do each month and therefore what do I need to do each week in order to make sure I do feel calm at the end of the month, mm -hmm. uh, end of the season, sorry. And so then the workshop helps you break that down with SMART goals. So it's all the other usual goal-setting type of stuff that coaches are known for. But it's got a lot of content in there around framing it up and about what's important to you yeah. and then putting it into it. I often like to theme it. So, for example, for myself, I theme it into like personal and social or family and kind of, you know, the kids and my family. And then I also have a separate section, which is for my business. And that way I can look at what things, how do I want to feel in each of those areas? What are the core things I want to do in that time? And the way that the workshop works is that it's fully self-contained. You just work through it. It's self-led. If you work through it start to finish in one go, you maybe need about an hour. Depends how fast you can write and how quickly you brainstorm. Or you can spread it out and take a time. But it's got sheets in there and prompting questions where you can write all your ideas down. And at the end of it, you have a pretty strategic plan for how you actually want to spend your season to feel the way you want to feel at the end of it. Yeah. Um, and the reason I like it is because particularly last year, so many of us had our lives turned upside down mm -hmm. through the global pandemic. And as a result, thinking about how we wanted to feel kind of fell down the list. It was all about just getting through the day, yeah. especially if we suddenly found ourselves working from home, potentially supervising kids who are homeschooling or, in your case, Shelley, actually homeschooling. Mm -hmm. We had partners at home with us. We were all in one space. We weren't allowed to go places. A lot of us lost any other childcare options, especially if we have, as you did, Shelley, grandparents or friends or anybody else. None of that was available. So yeah. everything got turned on its head. And so that's when thinking about, well, all of this is what's going on in my life. How do I want to feel? Mm. And by getting really back down to those basics, you then show up with a very deliberate approach. Yes. Um, yeah. Which means you, as a, particularly as a mum, your energy runs the household. So if it's sad but true and, you know, it can be a really good thing, but it can be really frustrating when you're having a bad day. And then everybody else seems to have been fine and now they're all picking up on your bad energy and bad grumpy mood and now they're all being grumpy too. And that's when it feels a bit rough. Yeah. But if you can then choose, well, I want to feel like I'm the happy calm mum or I want to be the, you know, my, the way I want to feel at the end of this month is really grounded and content or I want to feel joyful at the end of this season. I want to feel like I'm accomplished, whatever word that might be. There's no right or wrong answer. It's all about the individual, what you, how you want to feel for that season. Mm. by having a bit of a plan to get there it mm. just back a sense of control which particularly last year I think even leading into this year is quite useful but it's still got all that structure that we like from an accountability yeah. perspective from a coaching perspective mm. um, and people can access it so it's available on my website it's a very low cost download so you once you purchase it you immediately get access to it and then you can use it for any time period even though it's for a season you could use it just for a week if you wanted to. It's absolutely okay. up to you. 
Nice, nice. And and then you can reuse it for the next season and the next season. And what I love about the season is you can actually be inspired by, like for us now, being inspired by autumn and like it's the season of harvest, but there's also this like letting go, the leaves of the trees are, are letting go. There's this letting go process and to be inspired by what you're seeing around you and just the energy and nature around you, I think is is so powerful. And then as you say, combined with these smart goals with sort of setting actual measurable things that you can that you can do but it's all guided towards a feeling so now I'd love to know you mentioned productivity earlier and we've been talking about like being productive in our work hours but with the slight touch so is there any productivity tips that you can share with us nice practical tip uh, that that's helping you right now and working well for you absolutely so I just mentioned that I like to every second Friday go for a walk with a friend perhaps or catch up with them. But I also go for a walk every single day. And I'm not sure if it is a productivity tip, but it's definitely a playful thing that's been really working well for me, which is to use the dictate function on my smartphone. So I've been doing this for quite some time and it still is so perfect for me (laughs) because it means I can capture ideas when they strike. And so, so often I'm out walking because when you're moving your body, that's when your ideas tend to come. I don't tend to sit down at my desk and suddenly have an idea for a blog post. I tend to be out walking and an idea will pop in. And before I, in case I might forget it because I have a busy mom and I forget things because I've got so many other things to think about, I'll capture it. I might just quickly open the notes app in my phone, press the little microphone button and go, just talking to my phone. And lo and behold, the way I've set it up and my phone is very good at capturing my words now because I've trained it and it will write down what I've just said and it's already typed up beautifully. And then when I get back to my desk, I can either just share it across my devices or email it to myself. And so in this way, I often end up with maybe even 60 to 70% of the basis of a blog post or newsletter or even sometimes just a social media post, like a few paragraphs that are ready to then kind of tweak a little bit and they're ready to pop up on social media. So I save time, which is therefore it is a productivity tip, but it's also meaning I capture the idea once and I minimise the risk that I forget what the idea was. And as for fellow mumpreneurs, I know we all have heaps of stuff on. Mm. Um, So there's that risk that you go, yeah, yeah, I'll remember that. And if you don't write it down in some place, you're then relying on an already full and kind of overworked memory which is quite stressful. Plus for me, talking is way faster than typing. Mm -hmm. So especially typing on my phone because I'm not a millennial. I don't have two thumbs. I can't type with two thumbs. I still have to use my pointing finger, which my (laughs) eldest son is mortified by. He's like, oh, mom, you are so embarrassing. And also, as I said, my best ideas seem to happen when I'm not at my desk. And it means you can be working and creating content even when you're not really working, Mm. which means that then, if you have only got a few hours in a week for your business, if you are able to capture ideas when you're not technically working in your business, so maybe you have a brainwave of like a concept that you really think you want to explore later, capture it. Mm-hmm. Just capture it quickly. You don't have to dictate it, but capture it somewhere and then come back to it. Yeah. Okay. Now, like I can see playfulness coming through in everything that you are doing in your business, Rowena. I think it's it, it does bubble through to the surface in everything that you're doing. But are there some real specific 
points in your business and examples that you can give us of where embracing more playfulness has really helped you in your business? Mm. Um, so there was a first one, which I'll cover very quickly because it is a long time ago, but I'm thinking about for your audience, if they are starting out, when I was first planning to blog every week for a year, I knew I needed to create content. So I set myself a challenge to blog every week for a whole year because I thought that would build a new habit and also give me a decent bank of content. The playfulness came because I created a list of prompting phrases one afternoon and then that felt a bit like a game to see how many of those prompts I could incorporate. So they would just start, they would all start with it's okay and then I just brainstormed with myself and filled in the words after that. So like it's okay to dream or it's okay to, and it was just everything that I felt at the time. Um, And because it was specifically around grief, I tried to remember what else did I do to kind of make myself feel better. Not all of them turned turned into posts, but it was quite playful but also cathartic to write it. So that was fun. But more recently I tried a new way of working. So a little bit along the lines of MVP or MVO, which is Minimum Viable Offering or Minimum Viable Product, which, by the way, Shelley, thank you, when I was your client, you were instrumental in helping me to kind of grasp that as a concept that I should focus on. And so I tried this approach to put a new offering or a new idea out to my audience. So based on some feedback that I'd received, I created an accountability group, which, Shelley, you mentioned you're currently in, which is fabulous. And so for me, it was saying, okay, I'm only going to offer this to past or existing clients where I'm not going to I'm not going to set up a whole elaborate launch process I'm literally going to send an email to past clients and put it to them as an idea based on whether people say yeah yeah that sounds good or no thanks I didn't put any more work in so once I had a, um, a decent number of people saying yeah that sounds great I'd really love that then I put a bit of work in so then I articulated a little bit more about what would be the container? How would we operate? What would even what would be involved? How much would it cost? What inclusions would there be? And so on. I didn't do a sales page initially, although later on I did create a high-level page for the, my clients who wanted to have a little bit more information. Okay. Um, and there was no big marketing campaign. Mm. So it came from the idea which I was really playing with last year, which is it's easier to have those who've already stepped closer So the people who've already said, yep, I've worked with you and I love your staff, it's easier to have them want more of the same than to sell to even like a warm market to your email list. And it's definitely easier than pitching to a cold market. So like just kind of hitting it out into the the ether via social media. Plus, I really liked this approach and this kind of email and then pop it out there because it's aligned with my current, it's actually a favourite quote, which is by Theodore Roosevelt. And the quote is, do what you can with what you have where you are, um, mm. which works for me for so many parts of my life. But this one felt really right. I'm like, I've got these clients. I know I can set up an accountability group. I'm not going to make it complicated, which felt great. So clients had already experienced success working with me and they might benefit from ongoing support. And that way the accountability group felt right for them because they didn't need or maybe want the cost or the pressure or the full um, package of a coaching series, but they might like to have that ongoing accountability and touching base and brainstorming and all those other good bits that we talked about. Yes, lovely. I love the light touch that's 
goes through all of that of yeah not having to do all this research and who you know like who targeting because already you you'd set the boundaries it's past clients and I've got this list and it's as easy as going these are all past clients send them an email only and yeah just how uncomplicated that process was and you can actually then have conversations with with real people and craft the product with them craft that offer with them so you, you're an upholder. You're a Gretchen Rubin upholder. So you like to obey the rules, Rowena. So, <laughs> but yeah. I think upholders also know when to break the rules as well. So I would love to know. I'm, I'm the rebel, and I'll put in a link to the show in the show notes of Gretchen Rubin's Four Tendencies. So Rowena and I are opposites. Maybe that's why we we work so well together. I like breaking the rules as a rebel but I know that you've broken some of the rules of business and I put those in quotation marks because I think when we're getting into this own business thing, I don't know, I don't know where, who wrote the rules, but there's rules. Okay. And I know that you've gone your own way. You've set your own intention. So tell us a little bit more about that and how you've, how you've set this up for yourself. Yeah. Um, So yes, I am an upholder, but I think I lean towards obliger. So I'm an upholder leaning towards obliger because I definitely have obliger tendencies and I'm married to a rebel. So I'm very familiar with the rebel. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure that's why I was thinking when you were seeing me saying opposites attract, I'm like, oh, I like that song. <laughs> yes. Um, Paul Abdul. But yes, yeah, Paul Abdul, that's what I was thinking. Um, so look, well, the first rule that I feel I broke was that you have to work full time on and in your business. Yeah. Um, which I think if you've come from a corporate experience, as I have, there is this real sense that you're not really working unless you're doing a minimum of 40 hours and you're doing Monday to Friday, nine to five, kind of, you've got that real structure. Yeah. And I know, I've known for a long time that that doesn't actually work for me at all. So that's the first rule. And then I think I broke another rule, which was the rule of being an entrepreneur or a coach, which says you need to put out content every week or you're constantly having to put out content. And I did that. And then I went, you know what, this isn't working for me anymore. Uh So I tried that, which is what I mentioned before about the blogging challenge. And it was great for a while, but I was so busy putting out content that I was exhausted that it was probably lucky I didn't have all that many clients coming through because I wouldn't have had enough time in my day. So then I've changed that and now I only put out a blog post once a month, which again is probably pushing the boundaries a little bit around what's considered normal within the business model of having an entrepreneurial kind of business or coaching business in terms of like what other business rules I might have broken I guess as I mentioned before my business is designed to support my life and so I'm pretty strict with things like school hours so that I can as I mentioned walk my youngest child to school and pick him up and because there's only so much there's only a few more years before he's going to be off to high school and will be mortified to be seen with me like my older one so I've got to embrace it whilst I've still got it um, but it also means I'm available to do the extracurricular activities. So, you know, take them to swim squad or, you know, drop them off to cricket training or whatever else because that's important. That's my values. I also like to take school holidays off. And, again, that's a different from normal business practice. Normal business practice yeah. in Australia is we get four weeks of leave per year and you consider, you know, eight-hour days and you get your four weeks of leave per year and you kind of make it work, yeah. whereas I 
don't have four weeks of leave per year. I have as many many weeks of leave as I want, Mm -hmm. which is very, you know, I'm in a very fortunate position that I don't have to have that pressure, but I have intentionally chosen that this is the life I want to live. And now that you've looked back and you've shared so many gems with us of, of looking back on your journey, is there anything else that you'd like to highlight and encouragement you want to give to new mompreneurs? Yeah, look, I think the biggest one is probably just start. Don't wait for all the things or to even feel necessarily ready because you'll always feel like you're not quite ready, but you just get started. And it's like the quote I mentioned earlier, the Theodore Roosevelt quote, do what you can with what you have where you are. And if that means setting up, you know, a new Instagram account with the brand name that you think you want to run with and that's it, mm-hmm. do that. I did that. I ran an Instagram account. I didn't do anything else. I just set up an Instagram account with my hoped for brand. When I first started my, my coaching plan, like I had made the decision I wanted to do it. I hadn't even started my training yet, but I, that was the first thing I did. Yeah. That was my first baby baby step. Like what's the first thing I can do, the next baby step that I can take to kind of feel like I'm taking this journey. And so that would be the example of like something really small, just start. I'm not saying go out there and launch and all this sort of stuff. No, because that can be really stressful. Just start with something that feels kind of a stretch goal, but it's not so scary that you're having heart palpitations. Mm-hmm. By getting started, as I learned, and Shelley, I think you shared in your reflection beautifully, once you start, you will learn and then you discover what works and what doesn't work for you. And both you'll learn that for both you as a person, but also for your fledging business and also for your family because... Yeah. There'll be times when once you get started, you'll go, okay, this is, I think, Shelley, you might have mentioned in one of your other episodes where if you start, start as you mean to continue. So you don't want to be spending 60 hours a week first starting out because odds on you're still going to be spending 60 hours a week. So if you know you're a mumpreneur and you've got other obligations like to your children or your homeschooling, don't start throwing every minute of every day into your business because that won't be sustainable for you. Mm. and that's not a good way for running your life but start with something yes but start in a way that feels easy and playful like Shelley talks about because this makes it Instagram was an easy playful thing for me because I'd never done any social media before back in 2015 Instagram was really fun and it felt like a really light and playful way for me to get started so that really was a lovely fit for getting started in a playful way Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, that would be my tip. Just start. Yeah, I love it. And, and it's like, there's your business name out there. You know, it's on an Instagram account. So I have started. I'm a business now. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for sharing. So tell us where people can get in touch with you and connect with you. Sure. So the easiest place to find me is my website. It's just my name.com. So rowenamabbit.com. And Rowena is R O W E N A. Mabbot, M-A-B-B-O-T-T. But I'm sure Shelley will put it in the show notes. But yep, that's the best place to find me. And my Instagram is the same, Rowena Mabbot. But the website's the best place. And then I, you can get your free downloads. I've got some daily journal prompts on there. You can access the Design Your Season self-led workshop. And you can check out any of the other bits and pieces that are on there as well. Wonderful. All right, Rowena, thank you so much. That's the end of our Mompreneur Playdate today. But come again soon. Subscribe and tune in wherever you listen to podcasts. But the best way to make sure that you don't miss an episode and to get free bonus content is to get onto the Playful Mompreneur email list at 
playfulmompreneur.com. That's also where you'll find the show notes for today's episode. So head to playfulmompreneur.com and sign up there. And then playing is even more fun with friends, right? So please share the Playful Mompreneur podcast with all your mompreneur friends by sending them over to playfulmompreneur.com or tell them to search the Playful Mompreneur on Apple Podcasts or wherever they listen to podcasts. You can also help me to spread the word by leaving a favorable review on Apple Podcasts. I'd absolutely love that. Thanks so much for tuning in, spreading the word, and most of all, being playfully and wonderfully you. Now it's time to go off and be a playful mompreneur.